that's a lot more effective to actually sell something first before you have created the solution. Welcome to the Audience Converter Podcast, the podcast for converting your audience from strangers to loyal fans. We dive deep and discuss how entrepreneurs, consultants, and coaches can level up their business to help more people in the world. Now here's your host, the creator of the Audience Conversion Method, Kimberly Whitecamp. Do you struggle with getting your message in front of the right people? I don't mean figuring out which of the many social media channels to be out there, but whenever you have a new offer or a new opportunity or even a new resource that you really want to share with your community, do you struggle with getting your community to actually open your emails? I have created a really awesome in-depth workshop where we'll go through exactly how you can use a welcome series. It's a series of five to seven emails that people get when they first join your list that creates a curated customer experience and leads to higher engagement rates, higher conversion rates, and higher open and click rates. You can join me and grab your ticket at theaudienceconverter.com slash workshop. If you've ever wanted to create an engaged community that you know is going to be more eager to open your messages, learn about your offerings, and of course, expand the audience in which see your offer and have the opportunity to invest their time, energy, resources, and money with you, this is definitely an option for you to get those welcome series written. So this three-hour workshop will be a get-it-done style, training, time to write, and time to get feedback. Grab your ticket at theaudienceconverter.com slash workshop. Welcome back to another episode of the Audience Converter Podcast for community leaders, where we are all about building the business side of building a community that can make a bigger impact in the world. I'm Kimberly Whitecamp, your host, conversion copywriter, and marketing strategist. And today, I'm really excited to talk to my fantastic guest. I met David through a friend of a friend. And, uh, you know, it's always great when you can meet people through networking, meet people through introductions. David's got an amazing podcast as well. And I'm really excited to dive in and talk about entrepreneurship with him. So David Schreiner Khan, after 28 years as a highly skilled employee, he was told that his job was over. In spite of the immediate trauma and fear, he knew that as his next step, he'd rather work for himself and have more control over his destiny. And that was in 2006. Six, ladies and gents. So today, David is a thriving entrepreneur, podcaster, and speaker. He is guiding highly skilled professionals who are recovering from a late career job loss and who yearn to impact the world with their knowledge and creativity by becoming successful consultants or coaches. And do be sure, of course, to check out David's shows on going solo and smashing that plateau as well. They're amazing, fantastic, full of knowledge. And I'm so excited to have David with us today. David, welcome to the show. Thanks so much, Kimberly. It's great to be here. Super excited to have you and to kind of dive on in. You know, uh, I love the introduction, right? Because it's about 28 years, highly skilled employee. And then, you know, you were kind of told, okay, this is it. We're finished. And you had a couple of choices, right? Do I want to start over? Do I want to start on my own? Do I want to try and find another J-O-B? And you made the choice to become an entrepreneur. So tell me a little bit about that journey and your, your pathway to entrepreneurship, if you will. Well, the reality is two things. One is I made a pretty significant change in my, my professional life early on in my career as an employee. I went from being an engineer to being a not-for-profit executive, which, which was a pretty big shift at the time. So 
I learned from, from, and that was also after a, after a job loss. Um, oh so my. I learned, yeah, I learned to pay attention to, to the signs that may lead to a job loss. And I, when I'm talking about a job loss, I'm, I'm also talking about your job ending, not for performance reasons, but for, for other, you know, there are other triggers. And um, it, it's actually way more common than people talk about, you know, since I started my second podcast, Going Solo, I've heard from so many people who have gone through this particular transition. I've looked at some of the data and it's um, actually quite astonishing how frequent, highly skilled employees all of a sudden find themselves with no work and no paycheck Mm. um, due to circumstances that have nothing to do with their performance. You know, there could be, um, you know, a new boss comes in who doesn't know you and thinks she or he has to to prove themselves. And one of the ways that they often look to, to get some recognition is by cutting costs. And, and especially if you're somebody who is, you know, at least mid-level compensation or above, Mm -hmm. um, you're an easier target because it'll be bigger savings you know, so that's one. If there is a, a merger or an acquisition, or sometimes like what happened to me when my uh, my first job ended, the company lost about half its business because the the market had changed. the 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 market related to who their primary customers were changed dramatically, and they had no choice but to lay off about half the staff. And again, in, in my case, it was a month after I got a, a really strong performance review and a big raise. So there's... Um, Talk you know, about although, rug pulled out from under you, huh? Yeah. So I, I think emotionally, our inclination is to take these things very personally. And reality is they're, they're often not particularly personal. You know, as somebody who has been in managerial roles for most of my career when I was inside organizations and also seeing how management decisions are made since I became a consultant, those decisions are generally not personal. They're usually for business purposes, but you know, if, if you're dependent upon your paycheck, you could be collateral damage. And so, you know, I started paying attention to what was going on around me a lot closer after it happened the first time. And the, the, the time that, that caused me to transition into entrepreneurship, I had thought about doing something different for a long time. I'd been in the same organization for 18 years. And if I wanted to grow professionally, I, I really had two options. One, one would be to go to a higher level position at another organization, which would probably be, um, it, it, would, it would have been at least C-level or um, more than likely the CEO role in, in another nonprofit organization, which, you know, you do have a lot of autonomy if you're, if you're C-level. True. So, yeah, right, right. One of the things that, that many folks who think about entrepreneurship or who are entrepreneurs like about the, the um, about being an entrepreneur is that you have a lot more control. So for those of us that, that um, like to create our own structure and don't like to be beholden to somebody else's, you know, it's very alluring. Anyway, I had thought about the, the choice between, you know, going to a, a higher level position in another organization or, 
doing something entrepreneurial for quite a while. And I had decided that if in fact what I thought might happen did come to fruition, then I at least wanted to try being a consultant and being self-employed. I had hired lots of consultants over the years. I had friends that were consultants. So I, you know, I thought that I knew enough about it to at least try it. And the other thing about it is, you know, in hindsight, this, this is actually an important kind of um, mindset attitude to have, which is I wasn't wavering between trying to get a job and trying to make it as a consultant. I actually went all in trying to make it as a consultant. And so I told everybody that I was basically opening up my own business as a not-for-profit management consultant because that was what I knew. That was where my expertise was. And, um, and I, you know, I remember a mentor of mine said to me within the first year that I was in my business, he said, you know, there may come to a point, David, when someone offers you a job and you, you're going to need to make a decision, especially if your business is not that developed yet, whether you want to keep pursuing being a consultant and trying to make your business successful or whether you would accept a job offer. And in fact, I was approached um, not too long after that by a recruiter who was looking for somebody for a very um, significant position that was uh, was quite well paid. Mm. And I'm glad that I actually had this conversation with, with, uh, with my mentor because I had actually thought about it before this happened. And, and I said to the recruiter, you know, first I, you know, I took in the information. I said, I need to think about it. Let me think about it for a little bit and I'll, you know, I'll call you back anyway. So I, I did think about it and I realized that my heart was really into making it as an entrepreneur. And even though this was very enticing and, um, and certainly, you know, if it had come to fruition financially, it would have been, um, you know, it would have been a good thing to, to support my family's lifestyle. I, I was honest with the recruiter. I said, look, I, you know, I'm, I'm relatively new in my business and, um, and, and I, I know I can do this job. Uh, I have the right credentials. I have what you're looking for. Um, I have the experience. But even if it's offered to me, um, I have to be honest that there's a chance that I might not take it. And the recruiter said, well, then we shouldn't talk anymore about it. And I was like, okay, fine. You know, I was a little, yeah, you know, I was a little disappointed because it's nice to have options. But on the other hand, you know, for me, it was really the right decision because um, I am somebody who likes, I, I, I really relish having control over my destiny. And, and yet being an entrepreneur is not the same as being an, an employee. Uh, frankly, I think being an entrepreneur is a lot harder. But a lot more fun. Yeah, it just, you know, it just suits who I am. <laughs> For sure. Yeah. And I know that now, of course, that's kind of your bread and butter of what you help people do, right? Is those who uh, find themselves with a late career job loss and they're like, okay, I've got all this knowledge. How do I become a successful consultant or a successful coach? And obviously I can tell, you know, your story really resonates, right? So many people, as you said, right, it's a, one of those things we don't think it's as prevalent as it is because most people don't want to talk about these types of situations coming up or happening, uh, but it happens quite frequently. So, you know, you made the choice and you had been thinking about it, right? As you had mentioned, you know, your options were kind of C-level or going on your own. And, you know, both of those have pros and cons. But 
how do you kind of turn that expertise into something profitable, right? You had, as you said, 28 years as a highly skilled employee. You'd made the first transition from engineer to uh, to nonprofit leader, which uh, that is quite the change, I would say, nonprofit exec- uh, executive. So how do you kind of take all of those skills that you've kind of built up over the years as an employee and then transition them into a place where you're serving others, but you're also doing it as an entrepreneur? Yeah. So the key, the key is really um, to figure out the business side. Um, one of the things that I, I look at as, as an example is people that are in any kind of creative discipline. There are those that are not particularly good at, at their craft and not particularly good at marketing and selling or not particularly good at running a business. Th- those people really starve. There are those that are good at their craft but not particularly good at running a business. And if they're lucky, they make a living. Um, they generally really also, they, they struggle. There are those that are not so great at their craft, but they're really good at running a business. They usually do okay, right? Even though their craft may be mediocre, they, they do okay. And then there are those that are good at their craft and good at running a business. Those are the ones we all know about. Absolutely. It's a, you know, the business side is one of those things a lot of us don't have training for, especially for those of us who become entrepreneurs. I know I had no business training. Absolutely none. Uh, You know, I had a degree, didn't really use my degree that much, but I kind of got into the world of copywriting and then had to figure out the business side on my own. Uh, And a lot of that was with the help of Google. Uh, But a lot of that was also, you know, meeting the right people and and getting uh, training and mentoring from others who'd kind of walked those paths before. But I definitely agree that, you know, the business side is one of those things many of us struggle with just because we don't even know where to get started, which is kind of the the impetus, if you will, behind a lot of what I talk about on the show is because I don't want it to be so hard for others. Like have a resource, let's create a resource that's really easy and really accessible for others to kind of get started on that path. Yeah, it, honestly, Kimberly, it is, um, I, I would say, not only is it a shame, it's almost criminal that the educational system, at least in America, does such a poor job of preparing individuals to be successful on the business side of what they do. And frankly, I think this is true whether they're an employee or an entrepreneur. As an employee, there's certain things you need to know. You need to understand politics and organizational dynamics. You need to understand personal financial management. You need to understand how to communicate in a way that you are going to be able to convince others of what is important for you to be able to be successful. And and in general, these are not things that are taught anywhere in school. I don't know if school has changed that much. You know, it's been a long time since I was in- It has not. <laughs> it, it, this is, I was like in, in high school and, you know, in college is, is a totally different story that college definitely doesn't teach this. But I think like, like basic financial literacy is something every high school graduate should be, should know. Every high school graduate should know the importance of having a good credit score and how to achieve it. Yet there's a, like this whole mystery around credit in this country, which is mm-hmm. um, right, right. That in and of itself, I think would do a lot to help relieve poverty if people just understood how the whole system worked. So anyway, I'm, I'm not going to get, I don't want to get too political, but let me, let's go back <laughs> to that. It's kind of the, 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 your basic question about like, what do you need to do? Um, 
So if, if you have expertise, one of the things that, that you need to pay attention to is complexity. Uh, if you have spent a long time as an employee, like I did, you were well paid to solve complex problems and probably not repeatable problems. As a business owner, the opposite is true. The things that are the simplest for you to solve and for you to solve repeatedly, where there's value for some particular segment of, of an audience, that is actually where the profit lies in a business. So it's, it's, um, it's very counterintuitive to what you have made, what you have been taught and what you may have experienced as a professional. So that's one. Second thing is there are a few steps you need to go through. One is you need to be really clear on what you want your business to do for you. You need to have some kind of vision, not just for the kind of impact you want, but also how you want your business to work, how you want your business to serve you. Otherwise, you'll end up finding yourself if, if your business does make money, you'll find yourself feeling like you have a glorified job. So understanding some basic frameworks about the business, that's really important. Um, you need to be really clear on what it is you love doing and, and what you're most competent at doing. You need to be clear on who you want to serve, who, who actually is your ideal target audience. Trying to sell, even if, if you can sell something to everyone, that is generally not a good way to go because it's very hard to differentiate yourself if you're trying to sell something to everybody. You know, like, like if, if you do, like you do copywriting. So being able to say, I do copywriting for a particular kind of business or mm -hmm. a particular kind of problem will, will set you apart and it'll be much easier for, for you to get leads and for people to re refer business because they'll know what kinds of problems you solve. So anyway, being clear on your target audience and, and, Within that target audience, you probably have some assumptions about what it is that they need where you can solve a problem. Well, your assumptions need to be, need to be verified before you can actually generate business. So it's really important to, have, um, to do some market research and have conversations with people in your target audience so that you get some actual data about what they say they want and what they say they will pay for. And then in particular, as a consultant and coach, I've seen this happen way too many times that people will spend a lot of time trying to create an offering. They want their website to look a certain way before they try and sell anything. And the reality is, until somebody actually hands you money, you don't actually have verification that they will pay for what you're creating. Um, so it's so a true. lot more... Right, it's a lot more effective, and I know this may sound counterintuitive too, but it's a lot more effective to actually sell something first before you have created the solution. Because I will bet you that if you are an experienced professional, if somebody tells you what the problem is and is willing to pay you to solve the problem, that you have the skills and the experience to create the solution pretty quickly. You know, there's so much to unpack in that list of things. Number one, I think is, you know, where's the real profit and that difference between complex problems that aren't repeatable and the repeatable, simple problems that need solving. And I think that's really powerful for anyone, for anyone out there listening, because so many of us feel that if we give the simple answer, it's like, 
am I getting away with something, right? How can somebody pay me for that simple answer? But the thing is, is that the simple answer is not what others see necessarily. It's not what people um, necessarily know. And it's the things that are repeatable. What is the problem in your target market that constantly, you know, people are looking for help with? That's what they want to pay you for because that's the problem they have. As an employee, you might have had a really complex problem that came up once, and your clients might have that same situation, but once across, you know, the the lifetime of their company. So they they're not looking for somebody for that. It's like, what's that thing that keeps coming up? That's what I want help with. So knowing kind of like where is your profit, where does it lie? And the other thing you said uh, that's really important is to have a vision of what you want from your business. I think too many of us are like, oh, I love doing this. This is what I'll focus on. We don't really have a plan or a vision of what we want our business to be like, what that looks like, or even what success really looks like for us. So we're kind of just going along with the flow, right? Following whatever comes our way, but we don't really have a plan on what success even looks like. So it's hard for us to kind of internally define and congratulate and achieve those accolades because we haven't defined what they are. Absolutely. And Kimberly, if you don't know what success looks like, then there's no way for you to measure how successful you are. Absolutely. Absolutely. And that's kind of a the, the key part of a lot of the marketing campaigns I create is people will come to me and they're they're using other metrics, right? They're not using their own metrics. So they'll say, okay, what's a good open rate? What's a good click rate? And I say, don't, don't worry about those. Those are vanity metrics. What I want to know is what does success look like for you? Do you want five new people to join a group program each month, well, it's successful when that happens. Uh, you know, open rates, click rates, all of those other types of things, you know, views of a video, you can look at those and you can measure them against, well, is it meeting my success metric? Let's see if I can increase that and see if my success increases too. But it's at, at the end of the day, what do you want to get out of this, right? What is your success look like? Sit down to find that so you can then measure if it works. Yeah. So, yeah. So, so to your point, if you need five new people to convert within a month to sign on to some program, if you have a 10% conversion rate, you need 50 people. You don't need thousands. So if you, like, yes. as, as an example, if you have a podcast like you or I do, and what you're using your podcast for is to generate leads that will convert, you don't need tens of thousands of downloads per month on your podcast. Nope. <laughs> Right? Yeah, it's it's one of those things like, oh, it's nice to point to this, but you know, is it is it tying in to what you really want to be happening right now? That's that's the really important, important question. So one last question before we before we wrap up here. What were you surprised to learn about entrepreneurship? You know, I know you kind of were thinking about the transition, then you made the transition uh, when you were uh, you know, when you had that opportunity kind of presented to you uh, against your will, if you will. Uh, but what kind of surprised you about entrepreneurship and do you find that uh, is surprising for a lot of your clients as well? Well, there were a lot of surprises. Um, one thing, I, I had never been responsible in any of my jobs for marketing and selling. I did the work after somebody else took care of the marketing and selling. So I was surprised to learn that I actually had to market and sell, and not only market and sell some some concept that was tied to a company. The company was actually me. So it's, it's, it's um, you know, I was talking earlier on about how job loss, the decision about job loss is not necessarily a personal one. Mm. But I can tell you when you're selling yourself and as a consultant or coach, you're basically selling your personal brand. The rejections feel very personal. 
even though, again, they're very often not, it's really hard for not to feel personal. And so, um, yeah, the whole marketing and selling thing was something that was brand new to me. And I was totally clueless about it. And um, it took me... It surprises a lot of people. (laughs) Yeah, it, it took me a while to to learn some steps that got me started. And, you know, what, it's now 2021. I've been, so I've been doing this for 15 years and um, I still feel like I have many things to learn. (laughs) Many things to learn. Yeah. You know, but that's kind of the excitement I think of being an entrepreneur as well is that there's always fun new opportunities for learning and for experiencing new things. But that is, I think, a really big one, right? A lot of people I speak with especially for me, right? I'm from the Midwest and uh, it's it's the Midwest nice culture, right? You don't really go out there and, and brag about yourself. And for a lot of us, marketing and selling ourselves, our services, our brand can feel a little weird, a little strange. It's like, I'm not supposed to be doing this. Uh, but if you don't tell anyone what you do, then of course, no one can hire you to do what you're great at. And uh, that can help them because they don't even know that that's an option. Exactly. So I want to say thank you so much, David, for, for coming on and for sharing your wisdom with all of us. What would you say is that first step people need to take to really start turning their expertise into profitability? The first step is actually um, is to spend some time reflecting um, so that you can figure out some of the things that I talked about. A, what's your vision for your business? What are you actually trying to create? Who are you? What do you love doing? What are you most competent at doing? And some hypothesis about whom you want to serve and, and what they may want. Absolutely. You know, as we said, right, you can't uh, meet your success metric until you know what it is. So taking the time to sit down and kind of define what that looks like is, is very powerful. And uh, if people want to learn more about you and what you do and how you help people in the world, uh, where can they find you? Uh, well, both of our podcasts and information about me and about what we do is all at smashingtheplateau.com. We have, um, at this point, I don't know, it's like six, 700 episodes of content. So it's, uh, you will, you, if you like listening to podcasts, you won't get bored. There's, there's a lot, <laughs> there's a lot there. Um, there's, there's a, contact a few options. For, yeah. There's a contact form. You can get in touch with me. I'm pretty present on LinkedIn. That's another good place. And if you're old fashioned, you can pick up the phone and actually make a phone call and call us, which is 212-731-0770. Fantastic. David, thank you so much for being here and for sharing with us today. Uh, Really a blast talking with you. Same here, Kimberly. Thanks so much. Until next time, everyone, keep calm and carry on. Thanks for listening to the Audience Converter Podcast. For more information and important links about today's show or for access to our website, visit theaudienceconverter.com. Take a moment to rate and review on Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your podcasts.